Welcome to the Well-Seasoned Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones, and today this is Season 7, Episode 21. I have the joy of being able to let you listen to my conversation with a travel author, a food writer, Dennis Litley of the Ask Chef Dennis website. You, you may have already seen his recipes online or his food and travel writing online, um, but I don't know if you know, just what a wonderful and fun person he is. Um, his Ask Chef Dennis um, website has this wonderful recipes where he takes recipes that are restaurant quality and he kind of translates it for the home. Last night, I made his um, crispy baked chicken legs for my family and my stepdaughter asked me if there was crack cocaine in them uh, because they were so addicting and everybody polished them off, which is rare for me. I don't always have that, unfortunately. So I know I'll be trying that recipe again and others by him. I have my eye on the easy slow cooker barbecued ribs, the flourless chocolate cake and others. So there's a lot of really great recipes. And you know, he's just a succinct recipe writer too. He makes it really easy for you. And it's just a joy to read his work. Um, he's also just a very accomplished travel writer. He gets asked, you know, to come out all over the globe, globe by a different hotels and resorts and uh, report on what's going on there. So he's very well regarded in that result as well. I just want to take you to my conversation with Dennis Litley right now, so you can listen to the fun conversation we had. I am uh, not ashamed to admit that we talked for a half hour after we were through rapping, because I just enjoyed talking to him so much, and we talked about all kinds of things. So just a wonderful guest. I, I would love to have him back again in a, in a heartbeat. On we go to our conversation with travel writer, food writer, chef Dennis Litley of the Ask Chef Dennis website. Welcome to the Well Season Librarian Podcast. I'm your host, Dean Jones. Today, I'm getting to talk to Chef Dennis Litley, who is not only a respected and well-known publisher in the food blogging and travel blogging world, but his blog, Asked Chef Dennis, has more than 10 million page views, and he has more than 1 million followers on social media, which is very impressive. I mean, I, I, I have some followers, but that's really wow. So... Dennis, I want to thank you for being on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dean. Thanks so much for having me on today. Now, for our listeners who may not be familiar with your work, although I would think they would be, um, I want to ask you if you could just give us a little bit, of, bit about yourself. Sure. I, uh, I was a chef for most of my career uh, in the kitchen. You know, I did some stints as management too, but I was never as happy as when I was actually at the stove cooking and, and getting myself immersed in work. So I went through you know, a series of uh, you know, white tablecloth restaurants during my career. I ended up in business dining as a manager. And the few times I did that, I ended up back in the kitchen because uh, the food mm -hmm. just wasn't, wasn't working out the way I intended it. And, and then my last spot was at an all-girls Catholic high school in uh, Flowertown, Pennsylvania. And again, I went as the manager and it was school food. You know, what can I say? And I, I, I didn't know. This was the only school I'd ever worked at. I didn't know what to feed them, but I knew what they were feeding them wasn't working. So, you know, I made an excuse to get the cook out of the position and just put the jacket back on and started working. And it became like a made-for-TV movie at that point. You know, the girls <laughs> painted, painted a mural of me on the wall. Um, it was just a wonderful, wonderful place to be. And, and they really appreciated the food and the parents were very supportive and the staff, uh, the, the teachers were very supportive. And it was just a really good spot for me to be for my last, uh, my last gig 
you know, in, in a professional kitchen. And, and that's when I started blogging too, is I started a culinary program at the school uh, about four years in, and uh, I needed a place for the girls to go to get recipes and ask me questions. And so I, blogging was new. It was 2009. And uh, I went to the IT department and they set me up on, um, on Blogspot, and, and I was like, all this different stuff was going on. And none of them wanted to go to the blog. They wanted to come see me in person. But I, I started getting readers all over the world, you know, not a lot, but I, someone would pop up in Singapore and I'm like, oh my God, and, you know, and somebody in New Zealand. And it was like wild. So I just kind of became a blogger and, you know, it took some, took a lot of work and, and a lot of time. Uh, but I finally started connecting with people and making some progress. Now, you're being very modest because the uh, culinary program that you created for the Catholic school that you were mentioning brought a claim to that school around the around the world. And uh, do you want to talk about that program a little bit and what made it a, such a huge success? Well, you know, the the girls that went to that school, they came from all different backgrounds, white, white collar, uh, blue collar, you know, just all different professions. And but the one thing they had in common was they were all kind of driven. They all went to college, every one of them. They, a lot of them, they, they all had a niche. They played sports. They were in the drama club. They were, you know, in the, the robotics team. There were these different niches. So I filled a sport a void kind of thing where there was these girls that didn't really fall into any of those categories. Cause you know, I as for me, for being creative, I, I, I can't draw a round circle. You know, I don't have a lot of skills, but in the kitchen, I can work magic. So uh, I started this program and it was a huge success uh, immediately. And uh, after four years, we had a recertification of the school and they gave us two points of excellence. One was for the robotics team and one was for the culinary team. And uh, that just, and, and I was actually very sick the day we had the dinner. Oh, and no. my, yeah. And my girls actually set the room, made everything, you know, I was in the office and I'd come out every now and go, yeah, that's good. Add this to it. And they served it. They cleaned the room. They did everything. And I was just, I made an appearance kind of and waved, you know, and, <laughs> uh, and, but they did the whole dinner and that's what really impressed them that, that they could pull that off without me, you know, uh, and uh, they gave them a point of excellence for it. So, but actually, you know, when I set the school up, the, the company I worked for was really good in the terms of the stressed, healthy eating. And I got to be honest, during most of my career, healthy eating was never a priority. Yeah. Um, you know, it was I'd make it taste good. You know, um, I learned from Graham Kerr in the beginning. Yeah, yes. he was he was my role model when I when I saw him on TV and I saw the way people would moan when they would eat his food. I mean, I was I think I was probably 12 or 14 in that range, but it in the back of my mind, it connected and I went, wow the power of food. You know, I, I know what it did for me because I enjoyed eating it, but what you could do for other people and transform them. So, I mean, but, uh, but Graham Kerr was known for using heavy cream and a lot of butter and, you know, and I was, hey, it sounded good to me. So my career in the restaurant evolved around, even at the school, I would order cases of heavy cream. We had heavy cream and, and European butter. Yeah. And, uh, but I, but I would... The tenant of this company was healthy food. I started to say, so I was feeding them grains. We were doing quinoa and uh, we were doing aromath and spelt and I was doing roasted vegetables. So I was balancing it. You know, I yeah. was, I was giving them, you know, some from column A and some from column B and they could, you know, 
the school was great because they didn't really care how healthy it was. It was a Catholic school. All they wanted was the kids to be happy and the teachers to be happy. And uh, they were very happy. <laughs> I, I really liked um, reading in an interview because you mentioned the Graham care and how for me, like I started, I like to cook from an early age. And I think I owe a lot of it to Graham care. I'd watch TV and I'd see him on there. And he was this handsome man cooking food and he was really kind of cool. He was kind of a rock star chef and oh, he was cooking all this stuff. But then later on, I, I was impressed to see him do a reversal later on where he oh, yeah. kind of came back and he was like, hey, let's make this healthy. And that was sure. really impressive. I was really, I've always thought of him as kind of a mentor for so many people, especially for men who like to cook because they're, God, they were, when I was young, there were so few men that you were seeing cooking. There was him and James Beard and that really... Yeah kind of not very many other people really back then well they weren't in the limelight you know yeah. it really wasn't it wasn't a profession that was glamorized yeah you know and, and now it is and it's hard you know people think it's this wonderful happy job you know it is i, I mean i love it. it it defines me but boy god it takes a toll on your body and it takes a toll on your mind but back then you know there was julia child and, and everybody thought well she's just this housewife you know i was like oh my god the the goddess of food she really was and uh and uh, graham kerr came out there that's flashy uh aussie with the ascot with the scarf and you know that european flair and uh and he would just show films of where he'd been and uh but then like you said his wife trina was on her deathbed. They called him in to say goodbye to her. She had heart issues from all that, you know, heavy cream and butter <laughs> and yeah. the lifestyle. And uh, she pulled through and he just completely changed his way of cooking. Yeah, it does. I love him. I, I can't say enough good things about him. Yeah. So um, I wanted to talk to you about your writing and your work as a food and travel blogger, because you're very well known for the Ask Chef Dennis, which is very popular. So where did you go from cooking and doing work um, in food to writing about it? When was that kind of turn point for you? Well, like I said, when I was at the school, I started blogging. Yeah. And I had, I'd, I'd always enjoyed writing. I had started four books and they're oh, kind wow. of, yeah, it's, it was, you know, I, I always, I love to read and I love to write. I, which was really crazy because English was the worst class I had. And it was because you had in all the verbs and nouns and all, all these different things. And uh, I, I was just never into that, but I love to write and I love to read. So when I was cooking as something to keep me sane, some of the jobs I had, I had, you know, I was on the, I was on the ledge a few times and I would write. And I would, I wrote a science fiction story. Uh, I wrote one about my life in the kitchen. I wrote, you know, a couple other different short stories and just to, to keep my mind occupied. Um, so the writing was always there. So when the blogging started, you know, nobody knew what to do. It was, and we used to have to tell stories. Everybody wanted stories when we first started yeah. because we, we, were, we were writers. It was in essence, it was a new kind of medium. And if you just gave a person a recipe, they're like, what the heck is this? Where's the story, you know? And then somewhere along in there, people kind of stopped reading the stories. 
And, and I remember a friend of mine said, no one reads my blog. They go right to the recipe. I said, what do you mean? He goes, I wrote, I was attacked by a bear last week in, in the blog and how I barely escaped death. Uh, it was all in the story. She goes, no one mentioned it. They just said, love the recipe. It was great. I love it. So, you know, back to the <laughs> point where I, I know. <laughs> so I says, okay. Um, and then it got ugly to the point where people would leave a comment says, I don't need to know about your great grandmother making this in Armenia. You know, I, I went, just give me the damn recipe. You know, it's like, so then they were getting almost violent about telling them stories. So, and Google, the gods of Google, you have to appease them. Yeah. So part of the writing technique then came in about how to write for Google, how to rank an SEO, you know, became important. So my writing style has adapted and changed. I still like, it, there's a thing on WordPress, Yoast, and um, it tells you <laughs> your readability. And yeah. I rarely pass the readability test because I don't write. That's not my writing style. You know, I am not a professional writer. I am a blogger, a storyteller, maybe. Uh, but I never pass that. But but that's what people are used to with me. Is if I changed it to be precise and and in, in terms of uh, how it should be written, you know, people would wonder who wrote the blog. You know, because it certainly wasn't me because I don't write, I don't speak like that or write like that. So uh, it, it's just been, again, it was something that's fun for me. Every now and then I'll throw an antidote in, but it's always short, uh, something about maybe something I've seen or done. But uh, it's now it's just all business. Now, you mentioned um, one of the tools or the apps that, that you used. What kind of platforms did you use and what kind of... Um methodology did you use to kind of like reevaluate your writing and 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 kind of get to the point where you said that you could kind of fine tune it to have to hit the right analytics for Google? Well, you know, a lot of it is just trial and error. Uh, I, I do have uh, some people that, that work for me that audit my blog and uh, offer me suggestions on how I'm doing things to make it more Google friendly, because yeah. in the end game, uh, you know, it's like, where's the best place to hide a body page two of Google? Because nobody, yeah. <laughs> you, know, if you, you know, if you're not on page one, you know, it, people will journey over to page two these days because a lot of page one is full of ad uh, advertisement or things like uh, the New York Times. So you have to subscribe to, or you can't see a recipe. The Washington Post is stealing things. Same thing there. You know, you have to subscribe and people don't really want to have to do that. I know I don't. Yeah. Um, so, you know, sometimes they're venturing to page two, but you gotta, you gotta put those keywords in. And I have never written for keywords right. where a lot of my friends will go through the keywords and then they'll see, all right, this is ranking. I can rank for this. I'll write about this. I, I go, hmm, what do I want for dinner? And that's what I make. And then, you know, cause I'm not a dummy. I go back and look up the keywords, but yeah. I, I, I don't decide when I'm going to cook based on what I'm going to rank for. You know, sometimes I write stuff and I know, you know, if a hundred people see it, I'm going to be lucky, but it's something that I want to put down, something I want to share something that maybe someday someone will find and go, wow, this is really good. Um, you have been recorded, as we mentioned, as having 1 million followers in social media and almost 10 yeah. million page views annually in your website. That's exceedingly impressive. What was it like for you when you first started seeing those numbers? Could you believe it? Oh, no. I I'm telling you, the first real hit came from Google+. Plus. I don't know if you remember Google+. Plus. Oh, but, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. It, it came out about the time I really started 
blogging serious and well i started blogging more not seriously i guess but um and all the other platforms the social media platforms i was late to the game i i, I didn't know what they were for i really didn't know how to use them but all my blogging friends they had thousands of followers and i had like 25 you know it was like very depressing uh, so Google Plus came out and it was a level playing field. So I says, I'm going to run with this bear. In fact, I am going to take it, make it my own. And uh, I was the power, I was living in the Philadelphia area. Then I was the power user for Philadelphia. And, and we went to a meeting at Google and they're like talking to me like, I, I'm, I'm important. And, and they're saying all these things. And, and they rewarded me for being their power user by putting me on the follow page with Anthony Burdain, Emeril Gassi, Martha Stewart. Wow. I was up there with all the big guns. There's Chef Dennis. And I'm like, holy crap. You know? <laughs> so I had over a million followers just on Google Plus before that, before they shut it down. So I had over 2 million at one point. It was insane. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I look at it and go, I don't know. My wife goes, you know, you sit in the office for 10 hours a day and work. I says, okay, maybe that's it. Well, you, you've also been featured on CBS, Everyday Health, yeah. NBC News and more. I mean, that's, yeah. that's all pretty good. Has this been, has it been kind of a mind blowing thing for you to be, you know, on TV and other media? Yeah, it's it's been interesting. Like I got a um, a note from the Wall Street Journal. They wanted to, wow. you know, I was like, okay, I was like, I, I can do that, you know, and different media. Yeah, you know, I, I I could be on TV more, but they want you to get up at like four in the morning. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. I'm like, well, I don't need to be on TV that bad. <laughs> so unless they're going to film at like around 10 and I've only done a few because of that, because I just don't, I'm, I'm not that enthusiastic about getting up that early anymore. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's, it's really, when someone reaches out, I'm like, you got the right chef Dennis, you know, are you sure? You know, uh, but yeah, no, it's been fun and I've enjoyed all the opportunities. Um, God, I, I just, it's, it, it does blow my mind sometimes that people reach out or someone important or really f famous knows me. And I was like, you know, I know who you are. I'm like, oh my God, really? <laughs> Thank you. Now you have some really great recipes in your website and I really get into them because I feel like a lot of them are made for me. Like I'm the home chef that cooks for my family and I like to, you know, make recipes that are not only good for my family, but also might have some, you know, good tips and insights from a professional chef and you write for the average cook, but with restaurant quality meals, how, um, when you started writing these, what was in your mind when you formulated these recipes? Well, a lot of them are recipes that I have used throughout my career in restaurants, you know, so they are restaurant quality. They're, they're ones that I served, you know, some of them I have made tens of thousands of times over my career, you know, uh, and others I have developed since I've been blogging, you know, and that was always part, part of the fun for me in the restaurant was making the nightly specials. And the philosophy I used to make the special is what I try to teach people at home, because it's cooking with what you have available. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I would go out and I would buy, you know, say Thursday for Friday when our big weekend, I would order some special fish or I would order something to run as special. But then as you're getting towards you know the mondays are getting sunday to monday you start saying all right i don't want this to sit in the house anymore you know it's yeah. it's still good there's nothing wrong with it but let's do something different with it and get it out of the house so i can get new product in and turn product over 
So same thing at home, you know, I, all right, I've got chicken in here. I need to make something. What else do I have? What kind of vegetables do I have? I have some potatoes. Uh, I have some broccoli, you know, onions. Let's, let's make something with that. All right. What kind of a sauce? Let's do a little bit of a, uh, you know, we've got chicken broth in the house. And I always tell people, don't buy that, that jarred broth, that box broth Buy they, they make, and I don't work for this company. It's called better than bullion. You can find in grocery stores. Oh yeah. I love that stuff. Oh yeah. I order miners from Amazon. I have miners at home, but I'm in a pinch or I just want a little bit of something. I'll run to the grocery store and I found you can order it on their website too. Cause before Thanksgiving last year, I got Turkey, I got mushroom. I got all these different bases to try. Uh, and there, and that's, man, you can make sauces, you can make soups, and you look like a rock star with them because they taste so good. You know, oh, yeah. in essence, you're adding the flavor of that protein, but that's your other seasonings that are along with in the jar with just the, you know, the meat product or, or fish product that you use them. So learning to, to use the stuff you have on hand and there's a few chef secrets like that, how to, how to tighten a sauce up. I always tell people a little butter. Softened a little butter, put it in flour, squish it all up, put that in the sauce and stir it in. And that's called a bermanier. So that thickens the sauce up. So now you have a nice, you know, it's a little thicker sauce. You can serve it. It's not just runny. You do that even with pasta dishes. I'll thicken them up sometimes. It's very simple. You've been writing your blog for more than 12 years. We talked a little bit about the evolution of it. What do you, what has changed for you? with writing your blog that was different from 12 years ago? Well, again, a lot of it goes back to not having the stories, uh, formatting, and, and really just staying aware of what Google expects. You know, yeah. uh, one of the things when I had that first meeting with Google was they were like, oh, Dennis, we don't want to create a social media. You know, because I, I thought you know, this is the best social media to ever come. He goes, we want to integrate ourselves into every aspect of your life. And that's what they said to me. And I started to laugh and I looked at their face and went, oh, God, they're serious. <laughs> so I turned to them and said, can you just put the plug in now? I'm ready. <laughs> you know, it's um, resistance is futile. Yeah, I'm telling you. Yeah. Prepare to be assimilated. <laughs> <laughs> but um yeah, so the they called it the grand experiment, and it's everything is to improve search so people can find things. I, I just did a deal with Amazon, and they didn't make me sign a non-disclosure. Now, okay, <laughs> I had to think there for yeah. a minute. Um, I'm going to be available on Alexa. Now you'll be able to say, uh, Alexa, how do I make uh, shrimp and broccoli? And maybe my recipe will pop up, and they'll tell you how to do it. So you know, I, I don't get anything for it except exposure. So, but it's, it's like, hmm, you know, people that would be asking Alexa aren't going to be reading my blog right away anyway, but maybe that'll bring them to it later and they can sit and relax. Um, but, you know, staying aware of what, what's changing in the industry, um, keeping your focus. And, you know, the big thing I run into with bloggers is things will change and they get upset. Yes. Oh, oh my God. I can't believe it. What are you going to do about it? Nothing. Stop whining. Get back to work. You know, faith, you know, either you do or you don't. <laughs> right now you're talking like you don't. So if you want to stay in front of people, if you want to stay current, you have to adapt and change. And the kitchen, I think, was the same thing for me. I was adapting and changing to what my guests wanted to eat. Yeah, You know, you stay stagnant and you stay trying to serve the same thing over and over again. And you'll always have people come in, but you won't 
get repeat business. You have to excite people. I like that. that's a good that's a good tip to live by with blogs and writing. I like that. Do you have any favorite food blogs that you follow? Oh, I honestly don't have time. Um, I, I have friends. That. Yeah, I have friends in the business. It's just like I don't watch I don't watch much TV. When I do, it's all like fiction, science fiction, or something to, to enter just to keep me uh, entertained. Uh, but I have a lot of friends in the business, and we talk shop. Uh, one of my favorites, I, I guess, if I, I want to talk about it, because it's it's a little different from what I do. It's called Girl Carnivore, uh, mm-hmm. and she she's uh, she's because because not just boys like to play with their meat. That's her tagline. Yeah. I, like <laughs> I know she she grills. She grills like a fool, and uh, she makes all kinds of really good stuff. So, and and we've been friends forever too Very since nice. the begin since the beginning. So that's probably the only one I ever read with any consistency just to see, because I'm not very good griller. I, I tend to bring everything indoors and do it in the oven. Um, I live where a place now where I can't have a gas grill. So yeah. that that kind of sealed it. But, uh, you know, I've learned how to you know do ribs and brisket and, you know, without a smoker. And, and that's become very popular, too, because a lot of people are intimidated by these master grillers. And yeah. And here I am. I says, you know, I just learned how to do this. You know, I, I was intimidated for a long time, too. And when I found out I could do ribs in the oven that were almost as good as from the grill, I went, OK. Uh, you know, uh, so I've been experimenting with more more of those kind of dishes. Um, but, you know, it's just, again, having fun and uh, and being happy in the kitchen is a big part of it. This episode is sponsored by Culinary Historians of Northern California, a Bay Area educational group dedicated to the study of food, drink, and culture in human history. To learn more about this organization and their work, please visit their website at www.chnorcal.org. You do a bit of uh, travel writing as well. Yep. Um, How did that happen for you, and uh, (laughs) what has been your experience with travel writing? Well, I was called the accidental travel blogger. Because when I moved to Florida, I was with a group of people, uh, bloggers from all different venues. It was amazing. And uh, the one that headed it said that there was a hotel uh, on the Atlantic coast of Florida that was looking for bloggers. And I go, I'm not a travel blogger. She goes, oh, no, no. Put your name in. Put your name in. You know, because I had a lot of stats. I had a lot of followers. So I didn't hear anything from them. And then you know, maybe three weeks in, I got a, an email saying, oh, we'd love for you to come. Uh, we're having a mini egg fest. You ever seen the big green eggs? Oh, nice. Yeah. So yeah. they had a bunch of those people were there for their annual mini egg fest. Besides, oh, I love that. Yeah. So they had another time where they were going to Cape Canaveral and doing all this other stuff. I said, no, I want to eat. I'm here to eat. <laughs> so I, I chose that one. And because I was late, I got one of the last rooms they had. They were they had just gotten it, well, had it for a few years, and they were renovating by floors. They had done the first floor. I was on the third floor, so the room was nothing to write home about. Yeah, but they had put in these nine foot sliding glass doors open to the Atlantic Ocean. We were on. Oh the beach. wow! I know, I know. So, oh, I didn't spend much time in there to sleep unless I was standing there or sitting on the on the deck looking out. Uh, but I stood there and looked out and it hit me and I went, I get it. I can do this. If I write about places, they will send me. I like so that. I started, I tell people, I started local. 
I, nobody knew me as a travel blogger. So for me to write some big place or destination, they were like, yeah, what have you written? You write a lot of recipes. You haven't written any travel blogs. So I started doing boutique hotels in Florida. And I got involved with one one group and they just loved me. And I was I was like the, a king with them. And I would go and I would spend like five days in places and they were treating me like royalty. And I was writing and doing live. I was doing live streams from them. And uh, I really got kind of got known. And I, I think the first time I really realized that someone wrote to me and said, we'd like you to come to this resort. Uh, I says, right, I'll be myself. My wife goes, oh, no. We just want you. So I wrote back, I'm sorry, I have to decline. My wife is an integral part of my blog. If I don't, she doesn't come, I don't go. So Makes she wrote sense. back five minutes later, says, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't understand that when I refused to come. So I says, oh, they want me. <laughs> they, they just have to push them a little. And, like and, and she does do a lot of stuff for me. But the truth of the matter is, if she's not there, I'm not happy. If I'm not happy, you're not going to get a good article. So, well, yeah, I also think it would color the way you write it for people. Like if I was reading somebody who wasn't going with their wife, I don't know if I would, because I'm going to be traveling with my wife. So it, I would rather have somebody that had their wife with them so I could kind of get their perspective. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and again, it does. Honestly, I, if it, if it was just me, I, I might not leave the room, you know, but yes. with her, I want to get out. I want to see things. And she asked questions. And a lot of times at the time she's asking them, I look at her and go, Oh my God, why did you ask that? But then later on I go, oh, thank God you asked that. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she'll wander off. We're in Germany and I'm taking pictures and I look for her and she's sitting at a table with Germans and, and having a good time. <laughs> I'm like, you don't speak German, you know, but she's very gregarious. So she, and I'm, I'm always telling her, stop talking to people. You know, I was like, <laughs> and yeah, uh, but she really gets us into some, some nice fun times because she is friendly and gregarious. And, um, and the, so the traveling blogging started evolving. And, you know, she was good to have with me on all these trips too, because the owners loved her and they talked to her, you know, and I would be, I'd be working and she'd be talking to them, learning everything there was. And then later she'd fill me in on stuff. And um, then we kind of got the big break. Viking wrote to me and said, you, you fit our demographic. And my first thought was, yay, I'm old. Thank you. And, <laughs> and, the, and the second thought was, oh my God, it's Viking. <laughs> yay. Uh, and wow, they just blew me away on the first trip. They treated us like royalty. And, and, you know, we'd go to, we were in Switzerland and we went to this place. My wife will turn to me and go, who do they think you are? I'm like, I don't know, but this is pretty cool. And, you know, and that's because I have, you know, a million followers and I, I have so many page views. It's comes down to that, but I still, you know, I go, I, I look, people look and go, oh my God. And I look behind me to see who's behind me. I still haven't kind of got to the point where, you know, it's me, they're happy to see. It's kind of like, you know, who's, who's there? Why, what are we celebrating? You know, it's funny. You remind me now, I saw a comment on Twitter this morning and they said, somebody was saying, I, gee, I didn't know when I became a writer that I'd also have to be kind of a, my own kind of a social media person, like become like a social media person, become yeah. an online person. But I'm seeing a lot of people who are commenting on how that's kind of in some ways integral to being a writer today. Yeah. Do you think that, you know, it's, it would be, I almost feel like it is kind of like, what are your comments on that thought? Well, social media is very important. And, you know, if you're not doing it if for, for just about any business you have, you're really missing out because it's free advertising. Yeah. 
you know, where people get confused, like a lot of my blogging friends will say, well, I was on Twitter. I never got any traffic, but you're not supposed to get traffic from Twitter. You're supposed to get brand awareness. You're supposed to get seen. You're supposed to have people, you know, recognize you, remember you and, and go to your website. But, you know, the, the main thrust of social media is to be social and brand awareness. Okay. It's, it's the, them to get to know you. Uh, traffic is secondary. You know, and, and if you're getting all your traffic from social media, you're doing something wrong and you're you're going to you're going to end up having a very bad day because when the social media changes, you lose all your traffic. You yeah. know, most of your traffic needs to be, you know, organic search. You know, 70 yeah. percent of my traffic is organic search. You know, 10 percent of it's direct. Another 10 percent of it is, you know, I forget where it's coming from. And then Pinterest is number four. Yeah. Uh and then maybe a drip from, you know, Facebook and Twitter, uh, Instagram, they're way down there and as, you know, as well as should be. Uh, so it's, but it's so important. It's, I, I tell people social media is, and I was teaching social media for a long time too, is, is it's that billboard you pass on the highway every day yeah. that has an ad. Okay. How many people passed it? We don't know. How many, but did it stick in the back of their minds? Like one of the examples I use, we moved to Florida and I saw a picture of Santa Claus and it said, for the people. Now, if you've been in Florida, you know what that means. That means Morgan and Morgan, which is a law firm. And their right. mo motto is for the people. But at that time, I had no idea. Now I can't hear the words Morgan and Morgan without finishing the statement for the people. You know? yeah. So it, it's brand awareness. So it's that highway, it's that billboard. So you know, I was getting, I remember I was getting like 20 million impressions a week on Twitter when I was working. I was working Twitter like a big dog and uh, people were going nuts because that was how many possibilities of being seen there were on my, on just on my channel, just on that one channel, you know, uh, 20 million, uh, you know, I was getting that a month from Pinterest. I was getting an ungodly amount from Facebook. So working that social media it helps you build a brand, helps you build brand awareness. But traffic wise, like I said, you know, your real emphasis needs to be on, on SEO and getting appeasing the Google gods. Do you have any big advice for beginning writers who want to write in food or travel? Sure. Uh, write about what you like, you know, write about things that make you happy because people respond to that. Again, like I mentioned, I don't write just for keywords. I write about what I want to eat. There's, there's got to be something genuine in what you write, and there's got to be some joy in your writing. You know, even if it's structured for Google, there still has to be positive joy in it when you're writing it out. Uh, you don't, you don't want to sound like a machine. The big thing now is AI writing. You know, yeah. and Google's getting real wise to that. Yes. Uh, so you know, that's you don't want to sound like a machine. You still want to be a human and be personal. But so if you have fun, you know, there's all kinds of things you can write about. And, and I tell people it, it's going to take time. You know, you can't think, you know, every now and then there's overnight success, but, you know, it's rare. So, you know, plan on giving yourself two to three years to really get any kind of real traffic. So it's something you should start doing part time. Like I'll tell someone wants to start a food blog. I said, great. All right. says. Let's get it going. Let's get your social media channels, grab your name everywhere. So you have your consistent. Let's not make it difficult, make it easy to remember. All right, now let's start writing content. 
Okay. You're not trying to tell anybody yet though. Okay. When you get about 20, 30 recipes, now you're going to let people know you're here. That's because smart. The worst thing is someone comes to your site and sees five recipes or three recipes and it goes, mm, that's it. They may never come back. So if you've got at least a basis, you've got 20 or 30 and, oh, they're new. Now I'm going to follow them because I can at least they're consistent. And then you need to be consistent. Even if it's just one a week, you need to be consistent. You know, if you're not going to do one a week, you just let things happen on the road. It's a hobby. That's fine. Have a good time. Let it be a hobby. But if you want to make it into a business, you have to try to have some kind of a business model and a plan. Uh, and, and then short-term goals. Always short-term goals, you know, one lofty high-term one that you always keep looking at. And, um, you know, I have surpassed, <laughs> I've surpassed my goals. I've gotten, as I had no idea this was going to happen. Now, I want to ask you, uh, for fun, I wanted to ask um, about your travels. And if you have a couple of best experiences that you really enjoyed from the places you've been able to go. Well, I loved going to Ireland. I, oh, yeah, that'd be great. I knew it was going to be pretty, you know, and I knew the Irish were nice. And, uh, but when they asked me to go, they said, Oh, we want to help you help us dispel the myth. The Irish don't know how to eat. And I'm like, Oh God, no, how am I going to do that? You know, cause I, to me, Irish food was horrible. I got there and I was blown away. Food was so good. So good. And one of I became friends with a restaurateur there. And he said, Dennis, he goes back, uh, we had a collapse. I forget what they called it, uh, the line or something. And then he goes, so many businesses went out of business and people that did not belong in the business lost their businesses. He goes, and it forced all of us to up the ante and to go from boiled meats and those eggs, you know, on the counter, he had a bar and a restaurant and uh, to start upscaling everything and make better dishes and get chefs in here and make quality and, and what impressed me the most, though, is what we call farm to table, they call dinner. You know, yeah. they can say, oh, we got that cheese from um, Mr. McGillicuddy down the road, and we got the lamb was from this farm, and this was from here, and everybody, the butter was here. You know, they know where all the food came from, and the chefs work that way, and they're just so creative, and the food is so good. So I was like, I, I wrote about it was a culinary destination, and people are going, Ireland's a culinary destination. I go, oh my God, yes, it is. I, I learned to eat lamb there. I was never a fan of lamb. And I'm eating lamb and going, I don't know what this is, but it's delicious. And I go, it's lamb. I says, oh my God, no way. You know, so uh, <laughs> I became a lamb lover at that point. Yeah, I've had some uh, Irish chefs on here and I've just been just there talking about food has made me really want to go there so bad. Oh, and it's just so beautiful, you know, the yeah. countryside and it's so green, you know, just like you'd expect from all, cause it does rain quite a bit there too. Yeah. And, and the people, uh, the only thing I, I forewarn people is over there, the F word is an adjective. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it just comes out of everybody's mouth. Like it's plain as day, you know, <laughs> but they are the nicest. When we went to Dublin after being in the countryside, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I like this. This is so busy. But then the thing I realized was everybody was happy and smiling and talking and making eye contact and saying hello. So it was like a happy New York. You know, I was like, oh my God, this was wonderful. Uh, another place that surprised me was Madrid. Oh, um, nice. Madrid, the food was just, and again, a lot of it gets shipped in because it's, it's landlocked. It's in the middle of the country. Yeah. Uh, hot. Hot, hot, hot. 
<laughs> but a dry heat. Yeah. We, we were there, it was 106. But as long as you were in the shade, it was fine. But the food was just incredible. And the people, again, we would be out. And because it's hot during the day, it's that siesta thing. Yeah. People are out at midnight. The streets are packed, you know, just having a good time, socializing, friendly. And the thing I liked about Madrid was everybody looked like Americans dress. You know, in yeah. France, it's France. They dress different. In Germany, they dress different. In England, I'm looking around. It goes, these are my people. You know, because yeah. I'm, I'm I'm half Mexican and I have some Spanish blood. But I'm going, oh, these look like Americans. I could live here. Very nice. I, I want to go there someday, someday, too. That just sounds really wonderful. Oh, it was great. The museums were wonderful. Uh, we went to a flamenco show that was just amazing. And uh, just the food, the food was great. So Dennis, I want to ask you, what's next for you? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'm waiting for the next, I'm waiting to start traveling again. You know, the pandemic uh, threw a, a bug into our traveling and, um, I, and then I had some health issues. I'm, I'm finally getting all taken care of. I had a knee replacement. I had back surgery. So now I'm mobile nice. again, you know, but uh, I, I'm the first time I haven't been in pain in 20 years. So the, the back doctor was amazing. Hey, um, you look really fit and, and happy and like, yeah. oh, yeah. And, you know, it, it, the pandemic did something for me, too. Uh, it reminded me because at that point I was so into traveling and social media that I had forgotten that I liked to cook when the pandemic hit and we couldn't go out to eat. And I had to cook every night after about a week. I'm going, you know, I really like doing this. I'm having fun again. I'm, I'm, I was ordering foods online. I order, I still do because I like the quality difference. I order small farm meats rather than supermarket meats. I order seafood from Alaska. You know, I get salmon from Alaska and different fish. Uh, so I, I found these sources, you know, it's more expensive, but We've also cut down on the amount of protein because Americans eat too much protein. You know, we, yeah. we, we really push the envelope on that. You go to other countries and you see the servings are much smaller uh, and eat more vegetables, eat more grains, you know, which yes. we're, we're strangers to. Um, you know, we still think, you know, potato, just French fries and ketchup are two, made, two major vegetables, you know, <laughs> right there, which I love, but uh, yeah. you got to eat the other ones too. So, you know, I, I've changed my cooking style a little. I had um, my blood sugar was real high after the pandemic because I was cooking, baking, and eating, and just having a good time. Uh, so it's I brought that down. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm telling you, we were and we were out bike riding all the time too. It was it was great, but it still you know was was affecting me because as you get older, things change. You know? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, your body says, mm, no, remember when you were younger and said you'd worry about when you're older? Well, guess what? You're older. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so you know, I, I have adjusted how I cook some. We're eating more seafood. I'm, I'm lucky to be on the East Coast where we live now in New Jersey is seafood's plentiful. Uh, we're going back to Florida for the winter. Seafood will be plentiful there. Um so, you know, I'm right now I have nothing new planned except maybe getting back on the road again. I want to start traveling again uh, and just, you know, see what else I can do with the blog and see how many more people I can reach. Because I, I just want I want people to have the joy that I do when I cook. And, and I always tell people the one the easiest way to do that is to cook with foods that you like to eat. Uh, the worst experience is when you follow my recipe, but there's something in there you don't like. And then you don't like the end product because there's an ingredient you didn't like. Well, change it. 
change yeah. it. You know, and I try to let people know that in the in the in the recipes that I write. You know, it's okay to change it. Uh, cook with food you like. Let's learn a little tricks. You know, the stuff I cook takes. 20 to 30 minutes to make, you know, you shouldn't have to spend all day in the kitchen, or if it's somebody's going to take all day, it's in a Dutch oven, or it's slow cooking in the oven, you know, it's not you have to watch it. So, you know, let's have some fun with food and really try to get it to be more of a social occasion. Yeah, Dennis, I got to ask you, you've got such a great presence, and you got such a great voice. Have you thought about doing like YouTube or, or your own podcast? You know, podcasts requires a commitment. Yeah. And, um, I don't have to tell you that it's just like any other aspect of, of business. And uh, I would love to, but there's just so many hours in the day. Yeah. I, I need to get back to video. I, I, when video was difficult on Google Hangouts, when so many things would go wrong, Yes, uh, uh, I was, I loved it and I thrived on it. And I did a lot of video. I had two cameras run off of two computers and people go, how did you do that? I go, I don't know. Work. So uh, I was <laughs> In fact, I had switched and I had one Mac and I had one PC and that would make people crazy. Cause I was using one of each, you know, but it worked. Um, but I, you know, I, I want to get back into doing more video again. I did buy a set of cameras specifically for that. My kitchen's in the middle of a remodel because we just moved back to New Jersey. Mm -hmm. Um, so once that's done, I have some room to set up, you know, I might be doing that YouTube. I don't know why, but you know, it never, it never felt as friendly of a place to me. Yeah. I, I would like to do some more commercials. I actually got flown out to California and I did one commercial. Um, although that was hard work. It yes. worked me like a big dog. I was, <laughs> we'll take you to the market at 7 a.m. And about seven o'clock that night, they says, all right, you ready to go to the airport? Because I had insisted I was just going to do a red eye because I didn't want to stay in L.A. more than that. <clears throat> so they took me to the airport and I flew home. But I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea that it was going to, you know. But I actually, I actually had a funniest thing with that was I had the makeup person. I had. I had a makeup person. <laughs> that was funny. And she would, she would dab the sweat on my brow and comb my, what little hair I have, you know, <laughs> but she had been Gal Gardot's makeup person from Wonder Woman. Oh she my God. Been, yeah. I know. I was like, Oh my God, <laughs> how did I get you? You must've been had a day off or something. <laughs> but uh, so it was a really fun experience. Um, uh, I would like to do more of them, but again, it's just finding time. You know, people ask me to do things all the time and I go, you know, I'm retired. You know, I just, today I wasn't in the mood to do that. And then they'll throw some exotic amount of money at me. Go, well, I guess I'm doing it then, you know? So it's okay. <laughs> well, it's an which offer is, you can't refuse. <laughs> I know, you know, it's a terrible life. I'm going, oh, this is hair, you know, first world problems, yes. you know, but, but I still like to, I want to, enjoy what i'm doing and if i work too much at this point or try to be everything to everybody you know i'm going to burn out and then i'm going to lose the joy so i i need to do what i do well and i hire a lot of people to do things that i don't like to do or don't do well i have a pinterest person you know i have someone that does all that for me i've always had one of those I have someone that watches the back end of the blog and does all the technical stuff because it's above my pay grade. <laughs> yeah, that's also very time. I mean, Pinterest, you would spend a really good chunk of your day doing that. It's very, very tedious. Oh, yeah. And they're making idea pins for me. And they're, and you know, it, I'm not creative in an artistic way. And, 
if you look at the pins I've made, they all got the same color scheme and the same style of pictures. You know, like I, people ask me to do tablescapes and I says, have you ever seen me do a tablescape? It says, look at my blog. If you're going to hire me, look at my blog. It says, Chef Dennis does not do tablescapes. Okay? <laughs> I use white plates. <laughs> you know, I, I, you're going to look at the food. The food is what's important, not what else is decorating. You know, I have a young lady that has been redoing all my desserts for me, all my old posts, because I don't want it because I'll eat the eat them and my blood sugar will go back up. So she is now rebaking all the things that I've had over the years that I've made. And um, she does some tablescapes. That's OK. You know, she I, I let her get away with it. It's like sometimes I cut them out and I just zero on the food. But other times I always leave an artsy picture in there. I call them now with some tablescape. 90 percent of the bloggers and authors I, I talk to, they, they always have somebody do it for them because really, I mean, it's, it's really not, it's an art and not everybody. I mean, I, I, everything I put on social media looks beige and vaguely the same. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, not, not a good, it's, I'm not good. Uh, at it. Well, I'm telling you, it's all about lighting for food yeah. and, and, you know, there's a whole, uh, I mean, there's a, a whole section or uh, uh, not section. There's a lot of people doing food photography now as a job yeah. and they've all gone to the same school. So they all pretty much this look the same and they can all do desserts and none of them can do entrees Yeah, because I've tried to find people to redo my old entrees and they look horrible because they're using a, they're using electronic light and electronic yeah. light doesn't all, unless you're really, really good at it, reflects off of meat badly. It does not yeah. make look good in sauces. Looks great on cakes for whatever reason, but not so much with with meat. So I've been I've tried to find someone to do that, and I have failed. So I have been redoing those as I have time on my own, and let the other person redo all the other baked goods for me. Um, but yeah, you got to find people. You know, it's just like management. It's like any business. When I was in the restaurant, I didn't cut all the vegetables. I had someone to do that. You know, I didn't do part of these other jobs. I had someone else to do that. So with a blog, it's a business. You know, I have about maybe 10 people in some capacity working for me doing different things. And, um, you know, that's that's just the way you have to do it. Or otherwise, you get burned out. Oh, yeah. You know, you know and it's, it's a sure way to just lose your joy. And get burned out so this way i can do the things i'm good at do the things that make me happy and i'll keep working you know and, and the morning i get up and it's no fun anymore i'll probably quit for a while but i don't think i quit forever uh and just take a break but yeah right now the way i work i don't need to because if i want to stop i'll go read for a couple hours you know yeah. i'll go for a walk I, I just i went to the gym before this i just started going back to the gym thank god <laughs> um you know, break up the day, then come back refreshed and do something and uh, and be happy at it, doing it. As soon as it starts getting tedious and you're not enjoying the experience, shut the computer off, walk away, find something else to do. And that's really good advice. Dennis, I want to really thank you for being on the podcast. I've really enjoyed getting to talk to you and I hope we get to have you on here again. We're going to put oh. a link to your blog, Ask Chef Dennis, mm -hmm. in the bio for the listeners now so they can go right to it. Great. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure, Dean. Thanks for having me. And that was my conversation with travel writer, food writer, Chef Dennis Litley of the Ask Chef Dennis website. Hope you enjoyed my conversation with him as much as I enjoyed recording it. 
Next week, we have um, the very esteemed guest on, Ariel Fox, who was a contestant on season 6 and 18 of Hell's Kitchen. She ranked in third place in season 6, and on season 18, she was named the winner. She's a regional vice president of Landry's Del Fristo and Dos Caminos restaurants and has a new book out this week of this airing, Spice Kitchen, Healthy Latin and Caribbean Cuisine. I can't wait to have you listen to that episode. Uh, it was a really fun one to record. Hope you enjoyed this episode and uh, we'll share this with others. We encourage people to share this, uh, this uh, podcast with others on social media. If you um, like this podcast, you can always uh, leave a tip for me. Uh, you could buy me a cup of coffee or a pint by leaving um, that on the link in the bio. As well, we ask people to go to the Asian Men Records website and check out their merchandise. They allow us to use the song by Kitty Cat Fan Club, Talk About Love, for our intro and outro portions. And they were very generous to do that. They have a lot of great bands that they represent. You can buy their LPs. You can buy their um, merchandise on AsianManRecords.com. Check them out. Find out also about uh, listings for uh, upcoming concerts if you live here in the Bay Area and around. Hope you all have a really great week this week, and I look forward to having you listen to my conversations next week. Until then, keep cooking. I've been getting better, better than you.